You are now tuned in to the Property Management Show with your host, Alex Osanenko. We bring in the experts of today so you can be the master of tomorrow in all things property management. Whether it's getting more doors, running a profitable fee-based business, or by simply being the best property manager. So, grab a pen and paper because this episode is sure to be a good one. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to episode 40. Sort of anniversary episode and uh, the Property Management Show. Glad that you are with us. Um, And, uh, you know, I have a guest today who was a pilot, uh, lost, moved for a new job. Uh, It was a great job opportunity. Moved his family, lost that job because the company went under. Luckily, he had a few rental properties to sort of help his family through through the process with a little bit of income. And as it happens, he became the first franchisee of now famous Renters Warehouse. And now he, this gentleman, runs... Uh, is the CEO of the largest property management company in the U.S. called Renters Warehouse. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Uh, Kevin, do I do I have this right? You got it right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, and the reason why Kevin uh, decided, you know, we decided to sort of do this interview is kind of interesting because Kevin wrote a book, um, and the book is called Rent Estate. And in fact, those of you who are watching video, I'm going to show the sort of presentation. Talk about branding, guys. Um, mm-hmm. I got a box from uh, Kevin's PR people, and this box says Rent Estate Revolution. Of course, the book, we're going to talk about it, um, it really sort of points to the movement of owning a rental property as a way uh, uh, to, you know, from anywhere from, you know, income and independence to, you know, retirement, right? That's right, yeah. So, it really so, tries to, to paint it in a bit of a different way and talk about the trends we're seeing and how uh, individual homeowners, uh, people who aren't homeowners yet, can capitalize on it. But of course, uh, the audience today, property management community, uh, it's big. It's a big moving for for all of us. Huge. I have some I have some predictions that I made. Um, you know, I spent a lot of years in this industry, ten to be exact, out of my you know thirty something. Let's call it. <laughs> so, and you've been here for a while, so I actually have yeah. some. So some data-based predictions that I'd like to run by you, but let, let's get let's open this box first. This this, this right. awesome box. I mean, guys, let's say you write a book. I guess you know you you send all these people a box, and I open a box. There's a video. That's pretty amazing. So you open up a box, and you immediately are presented with a media, right? With a video. Uh, it's a little ad, and then Kevin speaking. And there's two pairs of socks. I'm wearing one. All right. Uh, there's a little bit of a. I'm gonna close this down. Uh, there's a there's a little gadget that you I guess attach to your phone with the Rent Estate logo and of course the book itself, which we're gonna talk about. So right. Kevin, what motivated you? So I think I know what motivated you to write this book. There's a lot of reasons why you should have done it and shouldn't have done it. Give us a few. Yeah, you know, for me, uh, frankly, the reason I decided to write it out in the first place uh, was marketing. Right. We wanted to have more content to talk about, more content to attract new clients to the business, uh, to be a thought leader in the space. We think Renters Warehouse is, but continue to drive our thought leadership in the property management space. But also, I'm very passionate about the fact that owning long term residential real estate is a path to create long term wealth, financial security, 
um, a legacy retirement security for Americans, right? Uh, retirement is a whole different game these days. Absolutely. Back, uh, you know, decades ago, we had you work for a company for 30, 40 years, you get a pension. A gold um, watch. And you get your gold watch and you, 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 you sail off in the sunset with, with your pension. Pensions are gone. 401ks were supposed to replace them. That really hasn't worked a whole lot. So what are Americans doing? I think this is a great tool for for up-and-coming generations to get into if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, invest in this. It's not get rich quick, it's not sexy, it's not exciting, right? Like uh, flipping homes or other ways that people talk about generating wealth, but it's consistent, it's reliable, um, and it's something people can count on. And not enough people know about it, and we wanted to get that message out, not only for that cause, kind of my purpose and my why, but also, uh, you know, the, the, the upside for us else is we're generating new clients, right? We're generating people that aren't even in the customer base today. They don't own a home. They don't own any investment properties, but they're getting the book and they're deciding to get in the game. Um, and so that's really important for us, too. So you've hit, you've hit the P word, um, you know, and for, for, for people in your position, that's a very, very sort of powerful P. Talk about purpose here. Sure. And so am I, am I, can I venture a guess uh, what I'm feeling through this book that I read recently and through throughout like very short interaction here? Sounds like your purpose is to help other people create wealth through real estate. Do I have it? That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty strong. And I'll tell you, this book captures it. So I like the... I like the first part being more of a, like, hey, guys, here's what's happening macro level, right? This is right. all the indicators. This is all the reasons why real estate is just beginning to to become that vehicle uh, for wealth creation. But also then the second part is micro, like this is how it's done. Pretty cool. Uh, well organized. By the way, who came up with the term rent estate? You know, that's something we've been uh, throwing around internally here at Renters Ross for a number of years we wanted to you know in the property management business especially as the real estate markets recovered of course one of the challenges we have is talking to people about should they sell their current home uh, when they're moving or keep it as an investment so we always tried to position that a bit differently we wanted to differentiate in a very good way a very firm way difference between real estate which you buy and sell and rent estate mm. to buy and keep and uh, i don't know exactly how we came up with it we were i think we were you know, one of our marketing means or something, throwing around different ideas and it kind of stuck. And we thought that was cool. So we trademarked the term rent estate. We now talk about the power of rent estate, um, what that can do for people. And of course, you know, put it all into a book. Gotcha. Um, let me sort of validate a couple things with you because you're throwing out a lot of statistics and I was just yeah. nodding my head in this book. And of course, I think I believe you guys sponsored or were part of the Iceberg Report. Are you familiar with do you know what I'm yeah, talking about? We were, yeah, we were, uh, we were one of the sponsors of the Iceberg Report. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a very, very insightful study into single family and up to four units real estate rental market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, very, very interesting. And so from there, we found that 22 right now, there are 22 million rentals uh, that qualify as a single family of up to four units exist yeah. in the US. Yeah. Uh, and also, as also actually specified the percentage that is currently under professional management. Do you remember what that is? I don't remember the percentage. No, it's so only about 25, I think about 30%. Yeah, professionally managed. So in other words, seven and a half million out of 22 million right now are in hands of professionals. The rest right. are self-managed. What, what are some of the things that you feel, this is a key question, I, I believe it's a key question. What are some of the things you feel are preventing people from turning their homes into the hands of professionals rather than trying to just figure it out themselves? 
Yeah, I, you know, that's a good question. It's a really good question because we spend tons of time on it here at Runners Warehouse trying to figure out how do we get into that 70%, right? I always call it 70%, and I forgot that the Iceberg Report actually verified my assumptions of around 70, 65 to 70% of people exactly. DIY. Yep. This still right, right yeah. and um, how do you tap into that? Right, that's where such a huge part of our client base can come from. Because to your point, we're all out trying to get the seven and a half million of twenty-two million that are there, and uh, you know, I think some of it's a generational piece. You know, a lot of this uh, investment real estate are still owned by you know those fifty years or older. Uh, a big, a big pool of that where they grew up differently. They grew up wanting to DIY. They want, they, they know how to fix the toilet. They are happy to do it themselves, and they want to save a few bucks. I think that's a cultural and a generational piece that we're up against. Uh, and I think over time, that's going to play well into uh, the our our being the property management industry's hands because the younger generations just don't want to do that. They're used to outsourcing. So I think naturally over time, give it 10 years, 20 years, we're going to see that migrate a bit in one direction. But the other piece is people don't understand the value proposition that property managers bring. They're not really measuring their time against the cost associated with it. They just put a dollar amount on, on what they're going to pay. But I think you know the biggest reason, frankly, is the industry as a whole. We have a big trust barrier to get over. Mm. Right, uh, A decade ago, really before this became a legitimate, as I call it now, asset class, asset space, like the apartment community or commercial uh, there were a lot of lot more fly-by-night operators, I think, that that weren't maybe looking out for the interests of the homeowner or their clients, or their investors, weren't transparent, weren't doing things in the best interest of of folks. And so, pro- really, at the end of the day, and if you're in the industry, you know it. Property management industry for the single-family space has a, has a tough reputation, and I think that's the biggest barrier we have to get over as as a collective industry, being transparent with our investors adding transparency to what we do, talking about our value proposition and and really looking to uh, to look out for our homeowners and investors. And that over time is gonna allow us to dive more and more into those people who don't wanna give up control of that asset. That's, let's dig in here, let's, let's, let's dig in. Uh, this is very, very, so I'm gonna cover these other two points in a second, but the trust sure. is what I always talk about. I completely agree with you. We're definitely aligned here. But so I I don't I don't necessarily think the fly by night operators and you're free to disagree with me, are the necessary the only reason I think the the problem and the challenge was that property management industry was comprised of a failures folks who couldn't sell real estate so they got yeah. relegated to the dusty back rooms <laughs> sure. of, of their motherships right and they were given zero resources yeah they they were like these the, these these failures who who who. Got. I, I've been to so many offices. I worked my, my career. I worked for Apollo, and I started four and a half. I went to offices, real estate offices, who wanted to modernize. Now that the you know when the real estate failed in two thousand seven, this is everybody turned to their property manager. It's like, oh, you you making the only money. We right. you know, we're not so so now you are important all of a sudden. No resources before then. No technology. No respect. So what the customers got on the other end, no resources, no technology, no respect. So I think in a lot of ways, it's the fault of the real estate agent. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, <laughs> Let's I, I punch this see. in the face, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. You know, I, I think um, the glamour. we're saying similar things, right? There, there was people call them, call them the, uh, the failures of the real estate industry that went and did this because it's what they could do. Or what I call the fly-by-night guys that, to your same point, didn't put resources into it, didn't invest in their business. They started out as a hobby. So you know what, I can make a, uh, some quick bucks managing my clients' investments or my friends' homes. I can do 10 or 20 of them. Next thing you know, they have 50, and they don't know how to manage 50 homes. They don't have the technology in place to do it. it 
They didn't understand how to even do trust accounting for property management, which is different than trust accounting when you're buying and selling a home. So you're right, they're, they're not educated in the space. They weren't professionals because they didn't want to do it, but they did it to make some money. Um, you know, and, it, and it, uh, that's been happening for, for a long time. And so it put a tough name on the industry. And it's the responsibility of all of us to go out there and turn that image around and say, look, there's a lot of professional players in the space now, big or small. There's a lot of professional property managers that manage 100 homes, and there's a lot of professional property managers that manage thousands of homes, but there's people doing it right, serving their clients well, and, and you know, it's going to take time, but we got to get that message out. Yeah, I'm with you, and we got a line behind us. So that's been that's been, that's been my purpose for a while. It, well, part of it is is to is to bridge the trust gap between the property management businesses and their clients through marketing, because there's a lot of ways to do that, um, do it yeah. right, uh, education and marketing, of course. But um, you know, one thing is um, now it, it slipped my mind, but the. Going back to going back to generational. So, by the way, what you said and what I said is exactly what happened. I think two of those things just made our industry look bad. But um, oh, here's what I want to bring up: um, yeah. the car industry. I think that's a good parallel. I think maybe you've talked about this, or maybe uh, uh, Brent and your founder talked about this. The car industry is very similar, and it was you know um, once the consumer got digitized and had more information than the dealer. It had to shift. So cars.com, there's all these companies that do really good job, but also guess what? Smaller mom and pop dealerships do well. If you have great Yelp reviews, that's it. That's all yeah. so that's how I buy a car, right? I will okay. go to cars.com, it's not there. Like I'll I'll go to Auto Trader, it's not, but then I'll go to a trusted dealership um, that has good Yelp reviews and I'm very confident. Right. And and so I think we have a similar right? Yeah, look, I, I think um that almost plays into what we were just talking about with the reputation of the industry and reputation of the players in the industry. The world's changed over even just the last five years. I mean, certainly the last decade, but just the last five years with how consumers trust online reviews and it's just a whole new level. And there's recently statistics I read within the last six months that people turn to reviews and trust reviews, online reviews, more so than a referral or recommendation from a friend. Right? I Which can see that. That's, that's amazing, right? It used to be, hey, make sure we're having people refer you uh, or refer new clients to you or talk good about you to their friends. And that's still important. But now, um, you know, people are looking at, forget what their friend recommended. They'll take that and go do their own research on these online reviews. And so those review sites are driving so much of it. And as we all know in this business, it can be tough to keep a good reputation because we've got oh, yeah. tenants that are upset. We've got homeowners that want one thing. We can't do it for fiduciary reasons. It, it's challenging, uh, but it's a very important piece of growing the business. Yeah, yeah, you hit in reputation. Now you get me all excited. You know, we run <laughs> hundreds of AdWords campaigns, right? Google AdWords campaigns for our property management clients. And yeah. what we find is the largest conversion. I don't care how beautiful your landing page is, although it's a factor, right? It plays a factor. All these metrics, uh, specific conversion principles play a factor. But the biggest one by far is reputation because guess what? They're going to go look you up. Right. And if you're not good, I, I, yeah, it doesn't matter how well presented your landing page is, how how you know appetizing your special offer is, you're not likely to get a conversion. And then even if you do get a lead, they'll end up not calling you back. Right. right. So, uh, so with that, reputation is key. We both understand that, and there, there are methods for getting it right. Um, but um, here, Kevin, can you can you here? I, I'm gonna tell you what my prediction slash forecast is and tell me if you feel with your guys's resources and what you know is real or realistic okay. yeah so, so the bottom line is i feel that over the next five years i believe there'll be more than five million rentals coming into the professional hands meaning that 
it's their share is gonna go from 35% to 55% professionally managed. And a couple reasons I give for that, a lot of reasons you actually give in your book. Like it makes sense to invest in real estate, but also yep. back to your original point, generational gap, the baby boomers are retiring. They're, they're done cleaning those toilets, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And then, um, and, and, and also, you know, tenants are becoming a protected species in a lot of ways because, you know, the change of the economy. You talk about that in your book. You know, people don't want to buy a home with a white picket fence. They want to uh, rent a home where their job is and then move to the next right. one. So because of all those things, I feel our share, the property management, the professional share will grow significantly by 5 million rental units. And if you break it down by 32,000 companies that exist right now, it's about 140 units additional per company, which of course not going to happen that way. But just to give you, and, and I did some numbers like basic math. I feel the opportunity size that just the growth is worth $11 billion a year. How do you feel about those predictions? Are those too little bold over the next five years? That's big movement over the next five years. I think. You think it'll be a little bit less pronounced? Maybe, maybe a little bit less pronounced. I mean, it's definitely going to move in the direction you're talking about, right? It's going to be a big shift. Just between now and 2020, there's supposed to be three and a half million more rental households in general, forget about what bucket they fall into, right? So that that share of rental versus homeowner is, is in our favor, uh, for sure, because they're saying, I think it was 5 million new households being formed in the United States between now and 2020, and three and a half million of them are gonna be rental versus a million and a half being homeowner. I might be slightly off on that stat, but it, it was in our favor for the property management industry. And I think a big chunk of those, three and a half million, are gonna end up going to professionally managed because it's gonna be new people coming into the system buying those homes. We're pushing new owners to come in and buy through through our advertising, and, and so I think there is whether it's five million. I don't know. That's a big number in five years. <laughs> but um, you know, love the prediction. I don't think you're going to be too far off. And to your point, that amounts to a ton of new business coming into this space. And um, you know, we've got to keep professionalizing ourselves to to uh, to deliver to keep them on the professional management side instead of going out and saying, you know what, forget it. It's not worth the money I'm paying. Uh, not worth the headaches. I'm just going to do it myself. So I think there's huge opportunity. I haven't spent enough time on those numbers, but but I, I would I would probably get on board with you on those. So how about we make a, we make a pact here? All right. If 2022 by the end of the 2021 and the January 1st 2022, if we get definitive data that the professional management share is 55% over the other 45% which is self-managed, yep. you buy me dinner. If we don't get there, I buy you dinner. And it could That's, be just a chef things that you order at home or something like that. Deal. Or if we happen to be in deal. the same town. Deal. I'll fly and meet you. Ah, Absolutely. So yes. here it is. It's recorded, right? So yep. if... Um, and you know what? I hope you're right. I'll <laughs> happily get on an airplane and come follow you out because we'd love to see that start to happen uh, to this industry. Yeah. We'll all win for sure that way. But Absolutely. Okay. So we validate that. So it's prob I'm probably being a bit optimistic in reality because Kevin's company's got a lot of resources. You probably have done your due diligence to figure out what the market growth and opportunity is. It's there. It may not be $11 billion. It could be five. Uh, could, yeah, it could be nine. Either way, it's a lot, right? So Either that's, way, it's a big pie. Uh, big pie. Growing industry. Growing industry in a good, good place to be right now. So let's talk about some of the creative ways you guys have um, used to sort of um, – Take a take a bite out of that growth. What are you guys doing? What what what's new? What are you doing with your marketing? What are you doing with your outreach? The book is a big deal. Of course, we're talking about it. It's yeah. gonna be huge. Actually, it's gonna be huge for you. Huge, right? Yeah. Especially marketed the way you market it. Huge. But beyond that, what else are you doing? 
You know, I think one of the th- we we just put a lot of resources into it, right? I talked to um, lots of property management uh, owners, uh, executives, people in this industry in this space, and they they're they're doing some things right that I think we could frankly do better. But I also always encourage them to continue to invest right now. It's the time to invest in your business, to invest in marketing and advertising, to get out there and, and get those, those clients on board because of what we just talked about, massive growth in the industry. And I don't think enough property management companies as a whole are spending enough on marketing and advertising. They're relying on the, the relationships, the referrals. I think the last stat I saw was 85, on average, 85% of property managers' business comes from referral relationships. Yeah. It's fantastic. But that means only 15% is coming from paid sources. And as you guys know, at four and a half, there's a lot of opportunity out there to drive leads and new business to property managers. We have kind of a flipped ratio. We, we get a lot of referrals, but we also get a ton of business that we pay for. So we're putting a lot of our top line revenue back into marketing and advertising, just trying to grow, grow, grow. Um, and we do that through you know uh, every online channel you can think of from pay-per-click to SEO. You guys are experts in that. Um, you get that piece of it. But you know, lately where we've been seeing a lot of leverage um, coming out of is, is the content marketing we've been doing and putting out great content to people. Again, it goes back to the book and why we wrote the book was one, I do have a message to spread that I'm passionate about, but two, uh, content, right? We've been, we've been uh, September, so last month was our 10 year anniversary for Renner's Warehouse. And wow, we've been talking about the same stuff for five, six, seven years, right? Uh, there's only so much exciting things to talk about with property management when it comes to content what you're putting out there. The book probably gives me 18 months of new content from blog posts to different advertisements to video. Oh, heck, yeah, that's, that gives you, yeah, that gives you a runway. Forever, right? So yeah. that's big and we've been getting a lot, lot happening on that. So I think just my, I guess if I had to sum it all down, people got to, you got to invest. If you're going to grow, you got to invest, you got to be creative with what you're doing and stand out and not just re- rely on, you know, the relationships piece. That's great. It's an efficient way to grow your business as far as cost, but it's not going to be rapid. It's not going to be quick. Um, and I think that's why a lot of property management companies have a hard time getting over that 500 door hurdle or maybe that thousand door hurdle because you have to find where your next big set of clients is going to come from and, and investing in your message and your marketing and your advertising and having the right partners there is key. So, you know, your message is, you know, um, referrals are a channel, but not the, <laughs> the only way to, to grow. Of course, yeah. you know, property management is a leaky bucket, right? You got to replace right. what you lose. I mean, exactly. lifetime value. What do you, by, by the way, what do you guys judge of the lifetime value? Is it four years? What do you put as a, an average? Uh, five oh, years, five, five years uh, for us in the business. And we're trying to obviously grow that because um, we think we can. We're, we're really, we have, we're looking to hopefully keep doors for seven years plus. But right now, uh, internally, we look at it as a five year lifespan of a client. And I bet it varies by market quite significantly. Of course, yeah. Right, right. So yeah. that's good. But now I wanted to ask you this later, but I'm going to ask you this now since we're on a subject. This, this is really near and dear to me, man. Uh, and, and as a marketing guy, people usually just dismiss this part when I say, hey, you know, what your marketing budget should be, how do you set it, what the percentage of sales your marketing should be. I've done a lot of studying. I've done a lot of work. I've, I've actually seen thousands of examples. Yeah. And I have the number in mind. What do you think it should be the percentage? A small, not 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 a renter's warehouse, but a, but a business sure. that runs you know 300, 400 units. What should be the percentage spent on new owner acquisition marketing? You know, I guess uh, the answer you don't want to hear. I'll give you a number, but the answer you don't want to hear is it depends, right? Depends sure. on what the goal of that property or uh, that the owner of that company is. Do you want to grow really fast? Do you want to maintain? What do you want to do? If you're looking to grow your business and really continue to be make more money. Uh, make more impact, have a larger company, I'd say you got to put 25% back into marketing. 
Um, if you're looking to maintain, it's probably somewhere more like 10%. Uh, you're talking about but, profit. Okay, I got you. So you're talking about profit, but I'm talking about top line. Oh, no, top line, man. We put, 25% we put of years. top line into marketing, man. You, you, you're killing me. Wow. Yeah, man. That is aggressive, years, brother. For years, we were putting 30% of our top line revenue back into marketing and advertising. Well, and look where you are. Yeah. Uh, so we don't need more. Uh, it's a little less because we have lots of revenues, but I'm not kidding. We put a lot. That's why I'm pointing at it. That's why I'm saying, what's the what's the advice? We get lots of referrals too, but we also get a ton of leads coming in because we invest a lot of money into our marketing and advertising. Well, you don't so want to become number? the largest property management company in the, in the U.S. by 3%ing it. Correct. <laughs> right. Exactly. You 10x it. Yeah, so that's cool. So my, my like sort of a very very humble little prediction. So I just blew your mind, so that's great. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you love that answer. You're a marketing guy. In a good way. Right, right. But, you know, that, that, but that kind of money, I wouldn't know what to do with. Um, that needs to be spread through radio. That needs to be like you need to do what you guys do. Right. If you have – if you put in 25% of the top line – you better have other channels, not just digital. You got a postcards, you got a content book. Yeah, ooh, boom. Just go out. Right. Yeah. Um, so what's your number? What's that? What's your number? Oh, what's my number? Well, 3% to stay even. Um, okay. And 3%, look, it's not insignificant. I work with these guys. Trust me. And they're, they're listening right now. You guys don't even spend 3%. I guarantee you. We went to like Mastermind. We did a lot of, you know, I looked at people's P&Ls and did a lot of consulting. You know, those that spend 3% do pretty well. They just stay the same, maybe grow a little bit if they have good referral base. But, you know, on a million rev, 3% is 30K, 30,000. That's a decent budget. You can get yeah. away with that. Yeah, right? absolutely. Just to stay the same. A right. 5% to 7 is where I would be. Yeah, or 10 or 15. <laughs> Listen to Kevin, guys. You want to do that. <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. So, so how, ooh, uh, that, this is a question. Now, you guys buy companies, don't you? It's, it's, we do, yeah. So you grow through acquisitions as well as organically. Now, do you, when you buy companies, is, is their existing marketing spend play any role in the valuation? No. Uh-huh. What does play in the value? Is it, is it the, the revenue, the, the EBITDA? Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, a lot of the businesses we're buying, um, you know, they're smaller, uh, rolling up to the small property management companies, people who want to help us run a new market and become part of the Renters Warehouse brand. Uh, so that's been that's been a, been a lot of fun. So we value businesses maybe a little differently than some. Uh, but, you know, we look at the revenue per door. We look at the, the quality of the portfolio, let's say, right? Uh, if it's a bunch of $400 a month rentals, we're going to pay something different for that, right? It's more work. Uh, you're going to have a higher churn, likely. Uh, you're not going to get as much on leasing fees, that kind of stuff. So it's it's really a revenue per door. We look at the portfolio, and a lot of the businesses we're going after don't make tons of money because maybe they got two, three, four, five hundred doors. They're putting some money into marketing and advertising. They're paying themselves. They're doing their expenses. A lot of small business owners are running expenses through the company, et cetera. So they don't have a lot of EBITDA. They don't have a lot of cash flow. So you can't really value it off that perspective. So we do a revenue multiplier. We do a per door. Uh, we have some per door calculations and numbers we do uh, as as we're buying the contracts. Gotcha. So those of uh, of folks in the audience who eventually see the exit selling into a rented warehouse or similar company in two to three years, um, what would the ideal owner, look, uh, ideal business look like for you that you would acquire and pay top dollar for? Help yeah. them get there. Yeah, I think for us, it's uh, what gets top dollar is how aligned are 
the fee structures with us, right? Because there's, as you know, there's everyone's a little different, but there's also some kind of industry standards, quote unquote, right? Where there's about a certain amount where management fees fall into play, whether it's a percentage based or flat fee based. There's tenant placement. I think the biggest variance is often in tenant placement fees. Uh, when we're looking at buying a portfolio. And the more aligned it is with our current fee structure, so it's easy to transition into our business and understand how it's going to affect us from a profitability standpoint, the better. So that's big. Um, where the portfolio is located, how how um, spread out it is, is is certainly a factor. How you know um, condensed is it into one one area? How concentrated is it? But also just the quality of the assets. So some people are trying to grow their business by going after low income housing um, and doing some of the low income stuff, and that's fine and great we buy those but it's not top dollar homes for us because they're not going to generate as much revenue obviously so the typical starter single family home where we know a lot of the bread and butter is in this space the three bed two bath four bed two bath two car garage first second ring suburbs you know that type of asset um, is what it's going to be so by building a good book of business that um, you can show you're not having tons of churn on your business we, we look and say, hey, so you might have 500 doors, but what's your historical churn been? Have you been servicing these people to a high level where they're actually going to stay after we buy them? You know, so it, it, for us, top dollar is about growing a, a good book of business with quality assets under management, you know, uh, be able to show a good track record of keeping your clients on board. And um, then kind of that other piece that's really nice for us is, frankly, having a similar fee structure because it's easy then for the transition for the homeowners and the investors to come over um, and continue on. Gotcha. It, have you guys found difficult to right size the pricing uh, after acquisition? Do you see attrition? Is there just friction there? I mean, it sounds to me like a pretty simple proposition because your prices are lower than most. <laughs> and they, I mean, you know, our management fees are oftentimes we run into a challenge for renters. Where else is, is our leasing fees, right? Uh, we run into companies that charge a fraction of a month's rent. We're, we're a one month rent company for, for leasing fees. Some people charge a half a month. Some people charge three quarters. Some people charge a flat $600. And so that's the biggest challenge for us. And they make it up fee, in a recurring, right? Uh, yeah, they make it recurring. Account. On the management fee side, yeah, we're, we're a little bit less um, and there are more. And so we don't see attrition as we're switching that. We see friction, as you yeah. said. It's, it's a challenge for us. Um, we still have some people through acquisitions that are still on the former pricing model because of course, I mean, we'll, we'll look, we're gonna honor contracts and things like that. Our preference is to get everybody at some point on board with what we've got going on. But um, so it, it's, uh, I don't think we've totally cracked the code on that yet. That's still something we're working on, figuring out how to do, which is why kind of how the contracts and portfolio are priced is important for us right now because it is an area of friction for us that we haven't entirely cracked the code on. Gotcha. Yeah, it's challenging. I, yeah, anytime you tell anyone to pay more for the same thing, yeah. <laughs> right, but, exactly. So you have to build the perception it's not the same. Then you, right. you up it, right? Um, and that's exactly. probably challenging. But um, so back to fees. And I'm sorry. And look, if, if if you don't want to talk about it, just say, "Hey, Alex, let's just move on." And I'm cool with that. But I want to dig and understand because you guys, you guys went ahead and said, "Okay, 99 bucks a month. That's our pricing." Is it true all through your markets, or is it market market dependent? Uh, it's market dependent a bit. Uh, we charge anywhere between $89 and $99 a month flat fee for the monthly management. Um, it's not, we don't charge more than $99. In one market in Oklahoma, uh, we charge $79 uh, simply because that was so low. that's where the rents are low. So, But that's the exception. The rule really is we're $89 a month or $99 a month in all our markets across the country. Mm. 
Gotcha. Well, I, I want to I want I want to ask you a, a pointed question about the pricing in just a moment. Let me talk about my sponsor, Kevin. So you can take a water break or so you know, take a sip of water, man. It's, <laughs> sure, it's right. great. <laughs> but uh, talk about the PM Growth Summit, right? It's uh, I'm a I'm a co-founder of this conference. It's uh, you know, we've done the first one last year, and, it's, and the simple premise here is just like, look, there's not a graduate level growth you know, entrepreneurial conference that touches property management business specifically. And so we decided like, heck man, let's, let's, let's do that. And Jordan uh, Muella, uh, founder of Lead Simple and myself got together, we did it. It was sold out, 175 people, not big. It felt though great. Now over 50%, and Kevin, it might be the staff for you too, over 50% of folks who attended managed portfolios of uh, uh, 500 properties or more, which is quite significant. So I, I, think, I think in a lot of ways you meet the like-minded individuals you may not be the, the this this high-flying 750 unit guy but you want to be that guy and right. if you want, or that gal if you want to be that gal you got to go meet the gal that's already done it so this is where uh, you know those entrepreneurs come to play and learn right so we we you know we did it in a way that look you pay one price everything's included okay we got we got the uh the dinners you got the drinks and you need you're wanting for nothing when you get to the PM Growth Summit, you're there to learn and entertain. Just like yo, folks, like Facebook, like you work, you work in Facebook, work in Google, right across the the, the bay here. Um, you know, they they do your laundry, they do all your things. So so you focus on work, right? And you do a lot of work, and it works for everybody. Well, same thing with PM Grow. The concept is the same. We take care of everything. You just come, and we love you, and we entertain you, and we, you know, um, improve your. Um, um, your mindset and everything else. Now, Kevin's company is going to be there. Pam, his CMO, is going to speak, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. She's. We're looking forward to it. And we just picked a topic. I'm very excited about it. I'll let Pam introduce her topic on the PMGrowSummit.com website. Guys, don't be on the sidelines. Go in, get the tickets. It's it's still inexpensive right now. They're going to go to next year. It's going to be a lot more. Uh, PMGrowSummit.com. Go do it. Don't wait. Type in name Alex. As a coupon, you get hundred bucks off. Cool. So, um, pricing. It what? Who is it? Brandon? Who decided to like? Hey guys, for the transparency reason, to get back to the trust factor, uh, we charge you ninety nine bucks a month, or it's just simpler mathematics. How'd you guys settled on uh, uh, a flat fee versus a percentage? Yeah, we've changed the flat fee a bit over the years, but that's not important. Why we went flat fee versus percent is we right. wanted to. We want to stand out. We want to be different. We wanted. We came into this and we decided to to really grow this business. Is let's flip property management on its head and look at all the pain points of, of people in the business. And a decade ago, there was a percentage and a ton of nickel and dime fees, right? And so not only did you pay six, eight, nine percent, whatever you were paying, ten percent, then you were paying for a bunch of other fees that were hidden in the contract. And we said, let's simplify this. Let's make it one monthly flat fee so everybody knows what it is um one leasing fee and early on that was it now today we've got a few other fees involved but that's it we just wanted to be simple we wanted to make it transparent we wanted to make it um we want to make it make sense and frankly we get this all the time man you're leaving money on the table because you can charge a percent and make more but also on some of our properties we might make less so our lower income owners or people with with lower rent properties say well geez i'm paying the same as as someone with a higher rent property or it's too much for us, operationally, we think it works because the lower rent properties are more work, so we're happy to take a higher percentage. And some of the five, six, seven, eight thousand dollar a month rentals we have, we process rent payments online, and that's all we do. So we're happy to take a, and and we have tons of those properties coming into our portfolio because as a percentage, it's less. 
Uh, so it works for us. We wanted to be different. We want to stand out. It's not as different anymore today as, as a lot more folks are adopting that flat fee piece, but that's how we came to it. Um, and, and it's been working for us really well ever since. And frankly, because we do make less sometimes on that monthly side, for us, it was about volume. How do we get big? How do we grow? What's our land grab? Let's get a lot of clients because at that point we can create efficiencies through technology, efficiency through scale, all that kind of stuff. And so that's, you know, that was part of our mission. That's why we spent so much money in marketing and advertising in the early days was to, to get big so we could make money. Uh, because as we all know, this business, you got to pick up the nickels where you can find them. <laughs> I like that. I like that terminology. Good, good. Okay. So, all right. You said all the flat fee. My, uh, my last question there is what about like San Francisco, New York markets? I know you guys are not in San Francisco yet. Right. Um, but man, that sounds like there's a lot of cash you're leaving on the table. Um, the, the short answer is we'll be there, right? Um, I don't know when we've got, we've got a lot of places that uh, we'd love to be. We're in, um, we still have, we still have franchises in, involved in our, our program. We're no longer expanding our franchise network, but we still have a lot of great franchisees out there. I think we have 17 franchisees remaining. We have 42 total offices. So the rest of those are our corporate owned, 25 corporate owned locations. And we're in 20 some states. We want to be in all certainly all 48 states uh, as soon as possible. So we've got aggressive growth plans. Um, and, you know, I think getting into the Bay Area, getting into San Francisco, places in New York, some of those you mentioned, we'll do that through an acquisition. So we've got a nice established book of business there um, when we enter the market. All right, guys, in New York, San Francisco, if you're looking to sell, pick up a phone call, Kevin. Um, That's right. Love to talk to everybody. <laughs> he, he, might be, uh, he might be actually going to talk about paying that premium to get in the market. Uh, Hey, man, <laughs> this might be a little bit of that for you. Um, no. no, don't put the words in my mouth. Uh, I didn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's just keep going with this. So, um, you know, in the book, you're talking about tenants. Uh, and you said something, uh, I, I don't know, I, th I think it's going to be very controversial, very, 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 very controversial among people um, in the property management space. And you said, right. you said something, to, to, which I believe in, but he says, get to know your tenants. It's like, get to know your tenants. They are your business partners. Right? Um, yeah. Is that real, man? Can you really get to know tenants at scale? You can, um, right? And I, I think by, by putting focus on it and emphasis on it, I think frankly it's something we could do better at Renters Warehouse too, but we are true believers in the business that um, if you wanna have a good business, if you wanna keep your clients around long-term, if you wanna have a property that's operating much easier than the other is, is treat your tenants like people. I think too much in this industry, we treat tenants as uh, part of the transaction, right? They're not people. They don't actually live in a home. We just need to make sure you get the money and move on. Uh, and, and what that does is it creates a negative experience for our residents. They're not going to renew as often to stay in that home. They're not going to love it. We are actively at Renters Warehouse creating ways that we can reward tenants. Forget homeowners for a minute. Reward tenants for their loyalty to Renters Warehouse, to their loyalty to the, to the investor whose home they live in, for sticking around for a long time, for paying the rent on time, making them feel like um, this is an experience. It's not just transactional. So I think that's important. I think getting to know your tenants when you're moving in, we, we may be big. We may manage 20,000 plus homes across the country um, and be in a lot of different markets, but we still have leasing agents that show every one of our homes, every one of our prospective tenants. We don't use lockbox technology huh. because of this reason, because huh. we want to know the tenants we're placing in the so home. So you live it. You live your methodology. You don't just... That's right. That's right. So we're out there... That's how we can connect with them, is we have agents on the ground showing homes, talking to tenants, understanding what they're looking for, um, being able to make sure the home's right for them, be able to sell the, sell in the way of get them to sign a lease when they're there walking through instead of just letting them leave. 
So we absolutely practice what we preach. That is quite impressive. Honestly, not using log boxes. I mean, that is a huge. Well, I mean, I think I think that's where you come in with your full month uh, lease up fees. Just you yeah. have to cover the expenses of a human to go Correct. out there and, and provide them a human based experience. That's now becoming a luxury in a way. Right. Um, right. Very, very cool. I, ooh, I, that, that, I didn't know that. that. That's an interesting piece. But you're, you're right. Mistreating tenants is the biggest mistake people make. That's where you get ruined in reviews and your business dies. Your business dies and then you call people like four and a half and you're like, hey, man, I'm, I need help. And we're like, no, we got to spend six months building your reputation first. No, no, right. no. I want to do pay-per-click and Facebook marketing and my friend is going to run my uh, you know, postcards. No, 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 no. We're going to spend six months rebuilding your reputation. Then you're right. going to do all these things. Right. And, and then so, so – and another mistake is guess what? This book, um, a video I'm showing the book, your tenants are going to be your landlords, your customers pretty soon because, you, right. know, you know, in a few years, you know, the tenant is never a tenant forever and, uh, you know, they're going to become the, they're going to buy into this rent estate revolution. They're going to buy themselves some few rentals and they'll never hire you. <laughs> well, you know, what's amazing, Alex, is I have um, residents that live in one of our homes that, so they're a tenant with us, but they actually own a home that we rent for them. So they don't want to own a home to live in because they want to be mobile. They want to rent a home for all of the reasons people rent homes, but they believe in real estate over the long term. So they own it, they don't live in it. So I have clients who are both a tenant and an owner with us um, at the same time. So I, to your point on the book, we could turn all of our tenants into homeowners if they have the, the ability to do so. Because frankly, the average tenant income, credit score, ability to buy is, is higher than it's been in a decade, uh, but they prefer it for whatever their personal reason is for preferring it. So let's go convince those people to buy a home and, and rent it and continue to be a tenant. This is your marketing tip of the day, guys. I think I think it's time to start mining your tenant database for some gold in there. Um, at least setting up setting up the your uh, your business for the next four or five years growth by getting these guys to love you and then uh, invest with you or buy investment property with you. All right, man. We'll cover a lot of things. Uh, you have time for a couple more questions? I do absolutely. Um, how about your personal I'm curious now you you personally when you like what what so were you friend with Brent like how did you get into this rent this warehouse you know franchisee you were the first one right yeah, yeah that, takes, that takes some I mean I'm sorry it takes some balls I mean you, you got it's unproven and whatnot how, how did that happen give us a quick story there so um, I was living in Phoenix at the time as you mentioned um, uh, early on and, and, and the stories here in the book too but uh, I was a pilot and had a lot of extra time in my hands as a pilot, and I'm an entrepreneur, I don't like sitting still, and I've been investing in real estate since I was 18. I bought my first duplex when I went into uh, went to college, lived in one side, rented out the other side, uh, discovered that not only could I cover my mortgage and live rent-free, but I made a little extra cash as well, which was great, so I really got into that. Continued to invest in real estate, got in the mortgage business briefly as something to do, got licensed as a realtor, and honestly, I thought, God, property management sounds kinda cool. Right? I couldn't find a great company for me, and my properties, a great property management company. I had been doing it. I like recurring revenue businesses, uh, recurring revenue model businesses. So I was talking about it. I was actually talking to my brother who lived up in Minneapolis where Renters Warehouse was founded. And he just started working for Brent, our founder. Mm. And um, it was like, God, this guy, he's got kind of a cool idea what he wants to do. You should, check, you should meet with him. So I was up in Minneapolis, 
Brett and I went to breakfast together. 45 minutes later, we decided to go to business together. Wouldn't recommend that normally, uh, <laughs> meeting somebody. Worked out for me, fortunately, uh, really well. Uh, it brought me great, um, uh, many great things in my life. But that's how it just kind of happened. I was interested in it. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, like a lot of things, you just take action and uh, decide, hey, let's let's give this a go and see what happens. That's that is pretty amazing to me. Um, you know how many guys I've met who talked big game in this industry, you know, four or five years ago, uh, seven years ago, a lot. Uh, and gals, too. In fact, a lot, a lot of gals who talked a lot of big game. Yeah. And most of them are where they are uh, right now. Um, and, and I guess Breton was able to. Uh, really punch this one out um, pretty yeah, significantly. You know, I think that's that's just great life advice still, right? I mean, I talk to people who want to get into rehabbing or flipping homes, like, oh, what's your biggest advice? Like, what do you, I'm like, just, do, just start, right? Because <laughs> you go to all the same seminars, you go to all the same uh, learning uh, meetings and meetups and all this stuff, and it's the same people, and no one's done a freaking deal, right? Um, and so they say, how do you get started? How do you, just, just do one. It's never gonna be perfect, it's never gonna be planned, you're gonna, you know, but you gotta learn, so just start. I think it's the same thing with any entrepreneurial venture or starting a business or, or, or your big idea. Uh, that's what I did. That's what Brent does. We did it. We've always done that. It's just, all right, let's do it. Let's go start. And you're going to learn along the way and you can refine. The nice thing about a decision is you can always change your mind, right? So just go get started and um, make it happen. So that that's the rest is history. Mm. Nice. Uh, let's end on a piece of advice. What, what, what of advice you'd give to, you know, the, the mid-size growing uh, uh, property management entrepreneur, what would be one thing you sort of like, hey, guy or hey, gal, do this? Yeah, besides contact Renner's Warehouse about acquisition opportunities, <laughs> I think the, uh, nice. the piece of advice I would give them is uh, we talked about it. I really think um, it's about focusing on the tenants, right? There's always a lot of focus on new investors coming on, new homeowners, building my portfolio. Um and there's a lot of opportunities in industry to um, to focus on our tenants and our residents. And frankly, that benefits your homeowners and your property investors by doing that. And frankly, it's something that we didn't do soon enough in our business um, that we can probably still do better at, but it's a big focus of ours right now. And so that's on my mind right now. So I think that's definitely a big piece of advice and I'd love for everyone to do that. So again, we all need to lift this industry up to, to higher levels of standards, to, um, change that reputation of the bad rap we got and so focusing on on people um, is big i love you guys i love the way you look at things it, it's always a step forward it's always different than anyone else but it's not different enough to be weird right it's just sort of a, <laughs> it makes sense Thanks. It's not weird like, fantastic it, it, yeah it's not to be just to be different it's actually to to sort of take focus uh, uh, put put things in focus where they need to be and no. you know i we also appreciate the fact that you guys share a lot of your wisdom knowledge you put it out there for consumption, yeah, it's gonna help you, but also helps a lot of people. So here we're the same, and I look forward to seeing Pam. And perhaps if you stop by PM Growth Summit, um, we great guys. If you listen and you want to come meet Renters Warehouse, talk about your portfolio, come to the PM Growth Summit. They're gonna be there. Last year they they've done a few deals there. I know for a fact this year is gonna be even more. So come on and uh, join us at the PM Growth Summit in February. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you kindly for your time. It was a pleasure. All right, Alex. Thanks for having me on. It was great talking.